you slept in. Hey, we're not judging, just sometimes you do need to get those Z's. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home where you are comfortable than in our pews while we're preaching. So you can always catch up with a sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. And you still miss out on, on some things we think are pretty important, like community, people who know you, people who challenge you, people who help you along the way, and the cute kids at children's time, and the yummy desserts after worship. But we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. We are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of the new age. We're your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so that if you're away from home or working or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we just ask that you would receive it with an open mind and an open heart. And we're serious about that open mind and open heart thing, that you don't have to agree with everything we say, or in fact, we we hope and expect that you will question, disagree, and figure out what you think. But in the midst of all of that, what our deepest hope is that you would experience the loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So on Sunday, I started with a story okay, from a guy whose name has some controversy about how it's pronounced. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Well, he died last year, and so his name got thrown around a lot, and I heard it pronounced at least six different ways. Oh, my goodness. Uh, That's crazy. Ellie Wiesel. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Ellie, Eli, Eli, Wiesel, Weisel. Everybody has a different way of pronouncing it, but he's a Jewish author, Holocaust survivor, Nobel Peace Prize winner. It's kind of famous. Yeah. He wrote the book Night. Yes. Uh, and he tells this story. Okay. He says that when he was a little boy, he would come home from school every day and his mom would be there to greet him. Mm-hmm. And she would ask him the same question. Okay. And it wasn't, what did you do today? Or what did you learn today? Or who did you talk to today? The question was, did you have a good question today? Ah, yes. Isn't that a great? That's great. Yeah. It's a great way I to think greet. I that story, yeah. To develop this curiosity in kids, this innate questioning of the world around them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I brought that up because the scripture is on Malachi. Malachi. Malachi, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. This is one of the uh, lesser prophets, not because they're not as good, but because they just take up fewer pages. Yes, yes. The lesser prophets. And Malachi is the last book in the Hebrew Testament before we get into the New Testament. Right. The Greek Testament. Malachi is speaking to the people in exile and Uh trying to bring them hope and trying to bring them promise Mm -hmm. about God having not forgotten them and God reaching in and and preparing the way for a savior in them. Malachi does this by asking questions. Of course. Malachi asks 22 questions in 55 verses. Oh, wow. A lot of questions. That's a lot of questions. Malachi has a question. Malachi asks questions like, how long has God loved us? Mm -hmm. Aren't we all made by the same God? Uh, Where is the God of justice? How shall we return to God? Mm. Who will prepare the way for God? All of these questions. And they're Advent questions. Yes, they totally are. They're questions anticipating God's action in the world. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he's asking questions about integrity and perspective and because he's a prophet, because his job is to bring hope and promise, 
we find that the promise lives in the questions. Of course. And some of them are rhetorical. Right. But I think it's an interesting activity to take a rhetorical question that you think everybody knows the answer to. And really answer it. And assume that you don't know the answer. Right. Like, actually ask the question. Right. Like, how long has God loved us? Well, let's think about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying, well, forever, of course. Well, forever. Yeah, you know, like, actually go back through your life and go, oh, here are the moments when I have seen God's guiding hand in my right. life. When um, I have felt God's love, God's grace, mercy. Yeah. All of those things. Mm-hmm. How and, shall we... And, and also, you could also ask that question about the stories you hear from your family. Right. You know, of their, of their story, right? Like, it's not just about how long has God loved me, me. as an individual, but my how people. Long, but, like, your people and your connections and your... Yeah. How do we return to God? Well, how do we? Yeah. What are the things we actually need to call into question to make space for this baby to be born in us? Uh, not just, you know, how do we return to God? Well, we beat ourselves up for the things that we've done, and then we say all the right words in the right order, and then all of a sudden something magical happens. And then somebody says something, and then it's all good. Yeah, it's really more, how do we pay attention to getting rid of the things that block the sound of God's voice? Right. So promise. the promise is in the questions. And, and this is troublesome for us because there's both joy and apprehension there. Oh, yeah. That, uh, you know, I start every funeral, and I think you do too, with saying, you know, some of you are coming in today with some sadness because mm-hmm. you've lost something or someone that was important to you. Some of you are coming with some relief because yeah. you know they're not in pain. And some of you are coming with some gratitude because of the way they touched your life. And some of you are coming with unfinished business. Yep. Some of you have some anxiety about how things will be different. Some of you have hope about how things can be different. Yeah. And all of those things are welcome. Right. Like it's not clean. Right. The nature of this work of returning is messy. Absolutely. And it's, it's it's a major life event when we decide to reorient ourselves. Mm-hmm. And every major life event comes with mixed emotions. I don't, if it's the happiest event in the world, new baby is born in the family. Yeah, mm-hmm. except for the, the older brother who's going to be frustrated that he doesn't get as much attention as he used to. Well, or the new baby who maybe projected all these, like, perfection on this baby. Yeah, and, like, they're going to mess up the, the holiday traditions <laughs> because they need to go to bed. Yeah, they need to go right? to sleep. They're not going to be able to stay up late and do all the things. Right. Or, or I know somebody who bought a new house recently, and they, they love it. But, you know, that was a lot of work. Yeah. And it's a lot of stress and, you know. And they're exhausted. And they're exhausted and they're just, yeah. The other side of the coin, like when we think something is supposed to be entirely sad and then we end up finding in it these little pockets of amazing grace. Oh, yeah. That we would not have expected to find there. Yeah. You know, that, that there's just these mixed emotions. And so the promise is in the questions and our joy and our apprehension are both there. And we have to have the courage to not be afraid to look for the promise in the questions. Yeah. I mentioned that we're, um, we're reading, Devin and I are reading this book called Stages of Faith. He's farther along in it than I am. But one of the, ideas, job, one of the ideas in this book is that, you know, sometimes we stop growing in faith oh, yeah. because mm-hmm. we're afraid of a question. Well, we're afraid of the deconstruction and the reconstruction. Right. right. It's like, it's difficult work mm-hmm. and it can be exhausting work spiritually and, and so how do we not be afraid of the questions, knowing that there is a promise in those questions if we're willing to look? Yeah. So when God's promise is fulfilled in this place, in your place, in your life, in our life collectively, what will look different? Mm-hmm. And that might be where some of the mixed emotions come in. If our congregations more deeply reflect the rainbow nature of the people of God, mm-hmm. what will look different? Yeah. How do we make 
what, what, our church what will be happen open differently. to that kind of growth? Right. What well, do we let go of? Right. I mean, I think our churches, they all say, you know, why aren't we younger? Right. Yeah. Why aren't we growing younger? And, you know, that comes with some loss for folks who have, this is their, this is the way it's always been for them. Yeah. You know, we don't say that lightly. We know that that's a sacrifice. Right. Maybe we've talked about it on the podcast before, like one of the church growth experts I've heard talk about how um, we sort of have Legos is about like a six person Lego yeah. a six dot Lego is about all we have capacity for, for deep relationship with. Mm-hmm. And, and that sometimes we have to give up one of our connectors, one of our connectors in order to help to make space someone, for, make space for someone new to make space for. Right. And like, that's just to create that alone drives people. Yeah. Well, why is the pastor so distant from me now? Well, the pastor only has six spaces on their Lego too. Right. Well, and, and sometimes only, we have to be that for each other. Right. So when God's promise is fulfilled, what will look different? When everybody who is living on the street has a home, mm. what will look different? How will we have had to sacrifice yep. to make that happen? If we want the church to have a stronger voice in the life of the community, what are mm. the relationships we actually need to invest in? Oh, what is the work that we that. need to do? What is the integrity we need to display that will help us to do that? When we live in a world of urgency, mm-hmm with poverty and war and sexism and racism and young black men who are afraid that every traffic stop will end their life. Amen. How do we wait patiently for the words of God? There is so very much to do. Yeah. How do we wait patiently? And when we're overwhelmed by the thought of all this stuff. Yeah. Right. When we're so overwhelmed, we don't know where to begin. So how do we do the groundwork to get us to those deeper places? Talked about, you know, next year, the United Methodist Church as a denomination is going through some reckoning. Mm -hmm. We have a general conference. Normally these are called every four years. This one's being called a year early. It's three days instead of 10 days. And it's called specifically to deal with issues of human sexuality, not to debate them, but to say, given that we don't agree about these things and we're not likely to, can we live together? Can we stand under the same umbrella? Can we be part of the same house? Do we need to stay together or do we need to part ways? And I'm honestly not particularly freaked out either way. Mm -hmm. I can see possibility and growth in both directions. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in February. But I think we're trying to have a grad school conversation with people who on the stages of faith spectrum have been infantilized in this area for so long because we haven't done the elementary school conversations. I mean, how are you going to have a conversation about gender identity and human sexuality and all of the many diversities of that? When, when was the last time you heard somebody bring up sex in church on purpose? Uh, you do it all the time. I mean, I do it. But <laughs> <laughs> I, talk, I talk about human sexuality because I feel like my people need to know. But, I, you know, not many people will volunteer. Sex is part of life, right? Really? Yeah. And whether it's whether people are having it or not having right. it, whether people are having it with whom right. they're having it or how they're having it or in which relationships right. they're having it, like all and of then, those things are complicated. And that doesn't even touch in on the, the issues of identity. Yeah. And then there's how do you fit into this society or not fit into the society? And what are the assumptions people make about you? There's so many questions. Yeah. And we can't get into the the hardy stuff that matters because we are afraid to have the beginnings of those conversations. Yeah. And that's perhaps not super healthy. Yeah. And so I said to the church at 10 o'clock, I said, what are the conversations that you have never had in a church? Oh. And what should we talk about next year? Yeah. 
And everybody started laughing because they know I'll hit it. <laughs> yeah, great. If they, if, they, if they put in one of those little cards you have. Yeah, we're, no, we're going to distribute those again in January. The, um, the you asked for it cards. cards. But it's really, what are the questions that you have about your life in general that you never thought church had anything to say about? Yeah. Or that were taboo right. in church or that had some stigma around them? How do we have those conversations? It's easy enough for us to say, oh, God loves everybody. And you have to be nice to the weirdo at your family Thanksgiving table and you know, all that. But how do we actually legitimately have a conversation with people who disagree with us mm-hmm. or who we just don't know well enough to know right. these things about them? When we talked about the questions. We talked about the promise being in the questions and not being afraid of the questions yeah. and asking the questions being a way that we prepare space, that we make room for God to actually enter in and do something interesting. And it will require us to change. Yeah. It will require transformation because... We're not having a conversation with ourselves. <gasps> yeah. So that was sort of the sermon. This Malachi scripture is about uh, asking the questions, how do we get ready? And he uses images like refining ore or, and yeah. the soap that cleanses and all of this. And and those are fascinating images. I told a story, actually a Sophia Agtrop story mm-hmm. about when her family lived in the Philippines. She grew up in the Philippines and it wasn't uncommon you didn't have to be wealthy to have help at right. home. And they had a washerwoman. Mm-hmm. And the washerwoman would come and would gather all the family clothes and sit out back with the tub and the washboard and the soap and the water and would painstakingly clean Their clothes. the family's clothes and prepare them for whatever was going on next. And Sophia was just a little girl, but this became one of her friends. She would go mm-hmm. out and talk to this woman as she worked. And there was no shame mm-hmm. around stains or holes or tears or wear in your clothing this person's job was not to judge, but just to help you yeah. get the clothes ready for whatever was coming next. And if we're so caught up in the stains and the garbage of our past and being worried about how they'll affect us, mm-hmm. we are making no space right. for what is to come. We kind of have to get over ourselves yeah, and get over the fears a little bit so yeah. that we can make some legitimate space for these conversations. Let ourselves not be the center of it. Yeah. What a concept. Standing on the edge of a miracle. I was exactly. thinking when you said that in the last episode, thinking of that scene in Scrubs where Turk and Carla's baby is born mm-hmm. and they spent a lot of time, the producers of the show, the writers of the show, the creators of the show, deciding what would be the music oh, uh-huh. that would be playing in this moment, this epic moment in the life of this show. And they debated and they debated. And the creator of the show says, it has to be this song. And it's Foo Fighters, I Got My Hands on a Miracle. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And I just love that image of if you're standing on the edge of a miracle. Yeah. You know, it's not actually about you at all. No. You are making space. Yeah. You're just making space. Um, parents are making space for kids to grow. Mm-hmm. And we are trying to make space for the Spirit of God to move. Yep. And that's what Advent is all about. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening to this Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. If you have a question for us or stories that relate to the topics we've been discussing, shoot us an email, sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook or on our website at sundaymorningsleepin.com. The scripture for this podcast is Malachi 3, 1-4, and the theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzy. It's traditional at the end of a service for us to deliver a blessing to the congregation, some Wise words make everybody just a little bit holier, but instead, I just want to know, what are your questions? Yeah. What are the questions that are shaping you, that you're living with, that you're hiding from? What are the questions that occupy your mind when you're not in control of it? 
What are the questions that sneak in in the middle of your dreams or wake you up in the middle of the night? What are the questions that you're living with? Because in the midst of all the good things God has created, God put those questions there too. Amen. So keep asking, don't be afraid. And whatever you believe about what we've been talking about, about how the promises come, how will you love, how will you listen, how will you serve, how will you seek justice? Maybe you slept in, but now it's time to wake up and get moving.